All right. Welcome to Simply Technical, ladies and gentlemen. I'm one of your hosts, Evan, and I'm joined here with Keaton again as your other co-host. Um, it is December 31st, 2022, and we're kind of going to give a little bit of our ideas of what 2023 is going to look like. And maybe I'd say a lot of mine are going to be, okay, it could happen in 2023, but wouldn't be surprised 2024, 2025, something like that. I don't know if you. Yeah, I don't same, know if yours are strictly. Mine. I mean, my, I, my, I'll say mine are more uh, off the cuff, kind of wild predictions. But yeah, it's so, sort of similar. It could happen in the next few years if and it does happen at all. We're kind of intending for the episode not to be super long, but I feel like we could ramble on about some of our topics for um, quite some time, actually, yeah. or at least I could. Um, but sometimes I just like to hear myself talk. <laughs> um, so 2022 been a good year, um, but we're going to kind of start off here with housing and I guess general economy, but I say we start focused on the housing situation. Um, Keaton and I looked it up before the podcast that the moratorium, you know, mortgage delays and rent delays ended in 2021, unless you have an FHA loan. Is that right, Keaton? I think in general, yes. In general. Um, and so kind of like one of my predictions is, is it's going to be difficult for, I don't think it's going to collapse. I think the housing market's actually going to get stronger as far as more people are going to be renting. And so more businesses and such are going to be purchasing homes and renting them out. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, I actually don't think the, I mean, a lot of people think that the housing market's going to collapse, but my you know, sort of uneducated opinion is it's, I don't think it's going to collapse because the interest rates are so high right now. And that's, I mean, generally that's why people think it's going to collapse, but because so many people bought homes in the last few years, at such a low interest rate. No one's going to be looking to move. So the supply, even though the demand is going to go down because of interest rates, the supply is also going to go down. So I think it kind of just stays steady. And I, I sort of think that's what we've been seeing, especially in Oklahoma. I mean, Maybe in some of the way more inflated markets like California, uh, some places in Texas have started to go down. But I mean, our, our house's estimated price just keeps going up every, even every single time they raise interest rates. I'll check like a month or two later and it still steadily climbs up. I always expect it to fall, but it hasn't yet. So that's sort of my general, general take on the housing market. Yeah. Well, I mean, here in Oklahoma, at least I can't speak for other places. Um, you know, some of my friends are still looking to buy. Uh, they're currently renting, but they're talking about how people are. It's not going above asking price anymore. I mean, the the prices mm-hmm. are still a lot higher than they were three years ago, two years ago. Um, but they're people are going below the asking price. Um, there's a little bit more negotiation involved. Um, newer houses though, I mean, they're negotiating more in the fact of like, Hey, I can take care of your closing costs or, um, you know, we can put, you know, give you a little bit of extra down payment on your house. Mm-hmm. You know, there, those kind of negotiations are still going on, which were prevalent before this huge spike, but now. Yeah. When... It's definitely not a frenzy anymore. I think oh. it's just kind of like a, I think that the next year is just going to be kind of steady maybe some some markets drop but uh, i think it's just going to be a steady climb in a lot of areas 
unless I mean, if the Fed cuts interest rates, which I don't necessarily think would happen this year, then I think it, I think it shoots right back up to to a frenzy again. So I don't know. They're in like a really strange position where they you kind of want the housing market to collapse because it's priced out so many people, but also that's so politically and economically unpopular that I just can't imagine that they will push for it or try to get it to happen. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kind of shooting from the hip, but yeah, I mean, new houses, they're, they've been going steady. I mean, a lot of the supplies and stuff are going to come down. So hopefully new prices come down. But I mean, even back in August when I purchased my home, it, it had steadied out quite a bit. I mean, people weren't asking way over yeah, uh, market value. I mean, there's a house for sale in my neighborhood right now. Uh, that's at the same price per square foot that mine's at. And so it's been on the market for two months now. So, oh, wow. okay. Um, I mean, it's slowed down quite a bit. I mean, it's not, I mean, obviously my house is the nicest on the block, but um, <laughs> uh, it's, I, it's definitely slowed down quite a bit, especially at this higher price point, I guess you would say P- higher price per square foot. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you, you, you. I was going to say, how does housing, does housing necessarily reflect the general economy for 2023? I, okay, that was kind of where I was going to go, but I don't necessarily think so. I mean, I guess when I, what, what, what I'm going to talk about more is like the stock market itself. I don't really think that we see a recovery because 2022 has been down. Obviously, it's been one of the worst years on record. And I don't think 2023 is going to change much just for the similar aspect of the interest rates being like so high but also i guess sort of normal (laughs) they're they're kind of like normal interest rates i think the last what 10 20 years have been ridiculously low and have overly inflated everything and i think it's kind of uh just gonna keep slowly deflating when my dad bought one of i don't know if it was his first house or one of his first houses i mean his interest rate he was buying in the 80s i think so his interest rate was like 15 percent. so like it's not the highest we've ever seen now, granted, like you said, the general economy has been a, a, quite a quite a bit down year. Um, stocks, I mean, I think my four one k is like uh, down fifteen percent. So yeah, <laughs> um, so it's it's just been a general down year. I don't see the. I mean, inflation obviously is still high, and I don't necessarily see inflation going down any. Well, I think relative inflation is going to go down for sure because it's just kind of math. I don't think inflation is going to go up anymore because the the inflation numbers that we see are year over year inflation. So, you know, if we compared inflation right now to last year, I don't know. I didn't see what the inflation numbers were for December, but they went down slowly. But like last year's inflation number was eight or nine percent. And so we have to be eight or nine percent above, or we have to be above that per year. So if it, we have, you know, a three percent increase, and that's essentially like, I mean, the math doesn't exactly align here, but just to make it dumb math, that's like eleven percent over two years. So 
it's a little bit harder. The inflation numbers don't look as extreme on the outside over the next year, but it still doesn't tap down to that 2% level that I think they, the Fed usually shoots for. Yeah. I mean, as far as like loans and stuff, I mean, if you're, what, if your loan is less than inflation, you know, you shouldn't be paying extra money into it. Um, but when inflation is, I mean, it's still high. I mean, the modern, I say modern, the average person is still paying, you know, quite a bit more now for the same goods they were, I mean, last year, the year before. Yeah, it was definitely way more noticeable last year. I actually was thinking just the other day, I didn't, I didn't do any official math. It was like back at the hand, uh, quick addition, but I didn't think my, my grocery bill recently has been quite as much as it was a few months ago. So I don't know if that's just sort of what I buy as a, had a bit of a shortage before or not, or if that's generally reflected in the market, but it feels not as extreme as it did last year at this time. Like last year at this time, I distinctly remember it just being disgusted at how much I was spending every week on groceries compared to 2020, 2021, early 2021. So, I mean, especially compared to 2020, I think I, I think I did like, I, I added up all my grocery bills and from 2020, early 2020 and compared the 2022 early grocery bills. And it was just, it was, it was a lot more than the, whatever, 10 9% increase that they, they that are reflected in the CPI. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't necessarily notice it as much in my grocery bill. Um, but when I was eating out, man, like I'll use Cane's as an example. I ate Cane's quite a bit. We lived next to a Cane's for the last, before I moved, we lived next to Cane's for two years, um, three years. And it was like the same meal. It was eight, eight fifty or whatever before $9 ended up being like, 11 or 12 and it's yeah like, canes okay. is like a freaking sit down restaurant price now it's ridiculous yeah spending 10 12 a person now is like okay well and because of that i haven't been to canes in probably six months so yeah yeah um no one recommends it anymore and i mean canes is obviously just like a subsection of that i'm restaurants in general are up but the uh the canes is what i noticed substantially yeah, I I I also noticed canes. That that seems a little bit artificial, <laughs> but yeah, I definitely noticed canes, and I noticed all of the fast food restaurants. They they seem to it, you know you kind of have like multiple levels of restaurants mm-hmm. price tier pricing, and it seems like the general fast food like Chick fil A, canes is basically as much as a sit down a, a basic sit down restaurant was two years ago, and it's really ridiculous i'm like and even even now even at sit-down restaurants what you spend an extra dollar on your meal compared to canes so why not just go to the sit-down restaurant is kind of my new philosophy on eating out yeah well i mean i would say there's fast food there's casual dining uh sit-down dining and then like luxury i guess is probably i don't i'm I'm sure luxury went up slightly but maybe I don't know the numbers on the back end, of course, but maybe they have a little bit more profit that they can eat into. I don't know. I actually think, I mean, I have heard this. I I really have no idea, but I heard this before that 
that the margins on uh, high price restaurants are a lot of times lower than a regular restaurant. I don't know why. I guess the ingredients they buy are just that much better. <laughs> but I guess you pay for maybe more freshness. Yeah. Um, and your employees have to be, you know, a lot better cooking than. Yeah, that yeah. This mixes water true. with your beans at yeah. Taco Bell. <laughs> so, um, I I guess that makes sense. The uh, which. A bunch of those restaurants are going to close down now locally. Yeah. Right? Steak you experience. Know, <laughs> speaking speaking of this, uh, uh, just to add on this topic, what is with the ridiculousness of like the tip culture in that's like emerged in the last two years? Is it, like every single place uh, they ask for a tip. I think I don't. I I imagine like Target or something that in the next year or two is going to be like, all right, do you want a tip? Were you satisfied with your bagger? <laughs> yeah, like tip ten percent. Pay pay your freaking employees more. <laughs> um, I think a lot of it has to do with just more people are using Square, and I don't think it's necessarily, um, I don't think it's necessarily them like wanting tips, I guess, or them they're expecting tips. Yeah, but I think Square is. I think it's Square. Um, is starting to take off a little bit more and there a lot of those businesses like food trucks and stuff um, are using that square one and then the square like tablet that they have mm-hmm. you know they flip around um, I think more more of those places are using that because like I mean I bought donuts a couple years ago uh, before going into work you know last one to work gotta bring donuts um, so I bought donuts and they were like they flipped it around on his tip and I was like, you just literally picked the donut out of the, yeah, <laughs> and put them in the bag or put them in the container. Uh, I guess 10%. And that was really where it hit me. It was the beginning of that. I was like, I've never tipped somebody that gave me a donut before, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's every single, now every single restaurant where you, you know, restaurants where you just walk in and order at the front and leave. Now, every single one of those ask if you want to tip and I'm like, I mean, well, no, okay, I so don't like, really want to tip. <laughs> at a place like Fuzzies. Um, yeah. Do you tip at a? Uh, maybe that's too personal. Uh, do you tip at a place like Fuzzies? I like, tip. You just order I food? tip at. I tip at places that I frequent. Okay. Only. I mean, of course, I always tip casual dining, but like those type of places where it's order at the front, I tip only if I frequent the place because I don't want them to recognize me <laughs> and be like, oh, this guy sucks. Social pressure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and um, if I do, if I do tip or if I, if I don't, if I don't frequent the place and I feel like tipping, it's usually not very much. It's like a, yeah, it's a, it's straight up a social pressure thing. Like, oh, I don't want to be a jerk. Um. So at the place I work, they have, they bring in food trucks every day, actually. Um, so like usually at the beginning of the week, I'll like look at the food trucks for the week. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to cook or I've cooked for four days. So one of these days I'm going to go and eat a food truck and they have two food trucks and they're like back to back and like their face, the entrances, I guess, or the windows for the food trucks are facing each other. And they like line up, like people will line up after they order and wait for their order. Well, like, the food truck is a little bit taller than me and they'll flip the thing around and I'm like, people are watching me <laughs> seeing if I'm going to tip or not. Yeah. Exactly. And it's, you're see. already paying expensive for a food truck. You know, you're paying like 16 yeah. bucks, 15 bucks for a food truck. Um, and then it's like, 
hey, do you want to tip 15%? And of course, there are 15%, 20%, and 25% or some 22%. And it's like, you're like, I'm already paying overpriced and you're wanting me to tip. Uh, <laughs> and people behind me are watching. Uh, sh- sure. Yeah, I, um, I, I saw what I, I if that happens, I just do the custom. I hit $1 and that's, that's what I give. <laughs> um, I saw one recently that was like, it, you know, it had the three options and it was, it was 18, 22, and 30. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is ridiculous. Well, I think, do they set it themselves? I'm sure they set it themselves or I they probably so. have a default. They probably have a yeah. default. Like, do you want to t- ask the default questions? Yeah. Um. So I tip at food trucks mainly for social pressure. And then obviously, like, if there's a waiter or waitress, I will tip. But, like, a place like Fuzzy's, okay, they pick up my trash when I'm done. I got to go up to the window and get it myself. They take my order. Um, I guess if you get a drink, like, you know, obviously you should probably tip your bartenders. That's more of a waiter, waitress service. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but like, if I didn't get a drink, like, no, I'm not going to tip you. Like, all you did was take my order and then I had to go up to the window to get the food myself and you took my trash. Like, yeah. maybe you should be making, you know, $10 an hour instead of the relying on tip culture, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. Maybe I'm off the rails. Let me know in the comments. Um, I mean, Europe Europe survives without all the <laughs> tip culture. Yeah, because what Europe is, you just tip if it was like extraordinary. Generally, it also kind of depends on the country. You know, when we went, they never expected the tips tips at all from in Italy, and they almost made it difficult to tip. Uh, you you had to tip in cash most of the time if you wanted to, and so so we didn't tip very often. But in in Vienna. I I'd been a few years ago and I don't remember anyone ever asking for tips, but in Vienna, they actually ask like, do you want to tip? And they give you the thing to put in, which, you know, of course you do. Uh, Cause well, it, it, really, it, it is like, it is what was real service, but that was a lot different than four or five, whatever I went there six years ago. I don't know. Yeah. Six, six or so. Well, years how was ago. Greece? Was Greece tip or no, <laughs> no, Greece, Greece, uh, no, they never asked for tip. They, okay. they also kind of like Italy. They didn't have like a really an easy option. But I remember when I went years ago, and I don't remember which city this was in. I think it might have been Vienna. Uh, and all, a whole group of us tipped, like just like some extra cash because it was the end of the trip. So we didn't, ha- we weren't going to take the extra cash. We tipped like a decent amount, like more, much more than a regular American service tip but it was just because we were getting rid of the cash and it wasn't but it wasn't like a crazy amount but the waitress she was like so happy she was so excited and i'm like oh man i feel really cool I also feel like really rich <laughs> well i've heard that like europeans you know even though a lot of them don't necessarily like americans or that's the stereotype i guess yeah. some of them don't like americans a lot of their wait staff likes americans because they usually tip like yeah yeah we're we tip here and so they're like oh like thank you American for coming and sitting at my table or, you know, being seated here. Um, I'm going to treat you special because I know you're going to tip. So, um, so you get a little bit of luxury there, but also their standard of living is a lot lower than um, the United States. There's two, I mean, yeah, the whole Europe versus the United States, there's like two completely different lifestyles. I think, you know, you want the fast paced, grinded out lifestyle of America, high life, or do you want the slower pace, like 
more relaxed lifestyle in Europe. And and that's kind of, that's really general. Like, of course, both both have their pros and cons, but yeah, well, it's a very, like very different life over there. Even in the big cities, I'd say it really wasn't. I mean, there were, you know, times that it was very hustle bustle, like obviously Paris and um, Rome were very, very fast paced and like, I would say cutthroat a little bit, especially like mm-hmm. driving. I didn't drive there, but yeah, like in a taxi. Um, so like, but everywhere else, I mean, even big cities, like, I mean, obviously Amsterdam, I guess Amsterdam was pretty relaxed. Um, Switzerland was pretty relaxed. Germany was a little hustle bustle. I'm trying to think of where we were. Germany is the most industrialized. I think the most similar to the U S besides like London. I mean, the UK, not primarily London, but Germany, Germany has sort sort of similar work style as the u.s but not still not as nearly as extreme yeah um so since we're talking about europe uh prediction for 2023 on uh taiwan well ukraine you want to go with ukraine (laughs) yeah since we're talking about europe (laughs) well i guess taiwan is asia yeah 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 um the taiwan ukraine alert sort of (laughs) i just had to make sure for for the well okay the uh what eastern eastern world um uh we'll start with ukraine then since we were talking about europe (laughs) um the ukraine russia conflict um i honestly think it kind of dies out some i think that russia is like is this really worth it i think a lot of the scandalous stuff over there starts to get exposed too but that might be for another podcast yeah, I don't really have much that I think about Ukraine. I kind of think the same thing. It'll, I mean, it's already kind of fallen out of the immediate uh, media attention bubble. Um, yeah, I kind of think that it slowly dies out. I don't necessarily think that Russia will pull Go everyone back. out. Yeah. I, I think there's too much pride there. But I kind of do. I mean, if all those like crazy rumors about Putin's health and cancer or whatever are true, then I mean, he probably doesn't survive the year, or the next. Definitely not the next five years. I think. I think I saw something. I mean, I have no idea if this is true at all. It probably isn't. But there was like rumors that he had pancreatic cancer, and like the outlook for that is obviously extremely bad. <laughs> so I think that's really the only way that the especially outside the U.S. I mean, yeah, I yeah. Guess, I guess in Russia, you know, he's gonna have the best doctors uh, for russia or you know yeah for europe but the uh let's see if that I mean, was debunked or not um i mean as far as like medical treatment outside the united states cancer is a little bit more treatable here in the united states than it is elsewhere um i could be talking off the rails but i'm pretty sure that's true it, it, it sort of yeah in general one of, the, one of the general um I mean, there's a lot of critiques of the U.S. healthcare system, but I don't think there's very many places you'd rather have a rare disease than the U.S. or a severe disease than the U.S. But yeah, uh, I think uh, if that's the only way the Ukraine war ends, it kind of seems like a, like, and the way with the advancements of weapons technologies, it sort of seems like there's really no winning in in a war. I mean. No, I always say there's no winners in war, but, but like it just seems like it's almost impossible to take over another country with 
what the capabilities that we have given given Ukraine or just modern uh, military technology, unless it's like a display of overwhelming aggressive force where you're willing to lose, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of people slash billions, maybe even <laughs> hundreds of billions of dollars. Yeah, well, it reminds me, and maybe this is where like modern warfare started to not the video game um modern warfare started to kind of take shape of like you're saying of like it's hard to take over a place is like the korean conflict and um shoot what's the other one i'm blanking on it right now uh vietnam like and i obviously the united states i say obviously i'm pretty sure the united states didn't go in to win those they just went into contain right that was our foreign diplomatic um agenda i guess was just to contain and so like we didn't go into win and i almost feel like that's how this russian thing is i mean obviously they're not trying to do containment but like i don't feel like they're going into win like they're if you're going into i mean obviously russian like forces and their military power is their superpower ukraine is not a superpower like if they easily want to take over they could easily do that but they don't seem to be trying that hard Maybe. I mean, I think I don't think they could necessarily easily take over unless they implemented uh, um, weapons and like a tactics scale. tactics that would cause the rest of the world to point their guns at them. Yeah, that's I guess that's true. That's a little more political than just like going in and annihilating over, annihilating yeah. them and taking over. Um, yeah, it just seems like like I don't know the. Warfare now is just, real, I mean, I guess you could say it's never worth it, but it, like starting World War II, it's like, it's just another level of of death. Like, we we can't afford these, the amount of losses that our modern military weapons can, can incur. <laughs> I guess eventually, like, I don't necessarily think that humanity is ever going to lose warfare, but eventually it has to go to robots drones only yeah but then you go to and i discussed this with uh a person we've had him before chance a while Mm -hmm. ago and he brought up a good point when discussing that is if everyone has robots then what's the point like you're just throwing resources i mean i guess (laughs) i guess i guess you could say the same thing about like military you know if you want to get down to like the grim part of it of you're just throwing numbers at people Mm -hmm. or at the other country i mean it's you're just throwing your resources of people and at that point you're your robots are you're just throwing robots at each other like yeah, but that you don't might really be gain anything <laughs> i guess yeah you're not yeah. obviously you're not losing human life but yeah eventually you have to i guess eventually the idea i mean obviously if you have to take... another person is using like people then yeah. that's like, that's a yeah. that um obviously it's getting a little dark but uh <laughs> they're like that's different than if if you're having robots fight each other then like you don't really gain anything um but if you're having like your robots like oh we're we don't want to send our military so we send robots to fight then that's a little bit different so yeah yeah um so as i brought up earlier taiwan (laughs) the uh other european country no i'm kidding asian (laughs) country um they are in conflict with china now as of now, China has not invaded or 
really attacked like full scale attack. It's like a Taiwan. really passive aggressive. <laughs> well, it's kind of similar. I mean, it's kind of similar. Both, both. I will say the similarities are both that Russia and China both view that they own the other country already. I mean, Russia was like they want to annex, you know, portions of Ukraine. Yeah. China wants to annex Taiwan. In China's mind, they already own Taiwan, or that's already their country. Taiwan says no. A lot of Ukraine, some Ukrainians already believe they're Russian or are Russian. Um, but they, the majority of Ukraine doesn't believe that they're part of Russia. So, like, I feel like the conflicts are kind of similar. Um, my thought is, is that, and this might not be a 2023, this might be a 2024, but I think before the next presidential presidential election, China does attack Taiwan. Um, you might think yeah. differently. I I mean I don't have necessarily a really strong stance or opinion on what I think will happen, and I don't necessarily think they will attack Taiwan. I think we would probably defend Taiwan a little bit more than we do Ukraine, and it sounds uh, uh, a little bit bad but i think taiwan is a more strategical uh defense defensive position for us because they essentially manufacture all the chips for the entire world right now and that's an extremely valuable uh probably the most valuable resource in modern life maybe i (laughs) Uh, i would i if it's definitely up there it's definitely top 10 top five yeah so i just don't know i don't i don't think China wants to play the, are they going to, is the U.S. going to defend defend Taiwan or not game? It's just too risky for them. And I think right now they're in such a, the government there is in such like a precarious position with the people, with all the COVID measures that have happened. I mean, they've had, they've had the fact that we've seen uh, all the protests and stuff out of China probably means it's 10 to 100 times more extreme than what we've seen because they locked down information out of, out of there and you can't just vpn yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean the, i mean the, the, the apple or, or the apple employees over there they at one point they like locked apple employees at the manufacturing plant and all the all the employees were protesting of course because there was a COVID outbreak mm-hmm. on the premises and all the employees were protesting and if, even apple uh prevented the ability to airdrop off of their phones because that was how they were transmit sending messages to each other essentially uh so i mean that's how extreme the information flow is controlled and the fact that we've seen so much negative press out of there and the fact that the government sort of went back on their extreme covid measures makes me think they're being a little bit cautious with uh any extreme measures that could be potentially damaging to their power <laughs> yeah i mean luckily the united states is going to build some of their chip manufacturing but at the same time like that's going to take three to five years for it to even start producing yeah uh one percent probably of the chips that the united states needs so mm-hmm. um yeah i just think that if they're going to do it they're going to do it now um, with the current administration um, politically in the United States. So that's that's kind of the reason why I say it's going to happen 
I think it's going to happen before the 2024 presidential election. Um, that's that's kind of like my basis for thinking that. Um, now, do I have any insider information on China attacking Taiwan? No. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where yeah. that's kind of like my background of it. Yeah, I could I could see that, but but I just think it's like too too late. I mean, it's yeah. not like it's not like they would take over Taiwan within a year, or two. a week. It, like, or I guess Afghanistan got taken over within <laughs> within like what a week after we left, and. So yeah, maybe, I'd say it's a little different. Could, <laughs> it's a little yeah, different I think it's situation. a little different. And I mean, the way the way they they probably watched what's happened with Russia and Ukraine are like, we can't really afford something that would drag on the way that the Russian, because Russia Russia basically assumed they could do exactly what uh, happened in Afghanistan. They saw we were weak, pulled back, and thought they could just take over and. Turns out they couldn't because the Ukrainian people are more resilient, and then we supplied them with essentially unlimited weaponry. Not not necessarily unlimited, but a lot. To to and, Ukraine unlimited. Yes, yes, to Ukraine. Sorry, and I think that China well, can see yeah. this similar pattern would happen to Taiwan. Yeah, I was saying the arms that were sent to Ukraine seem unlimited to them. Um, yeah, yeah. That like. A place that doesn't have very much firepower gets um, a ton of resources from the United States would seem unlimited to them just because of the sheer amount that we have given them. Um, yeah. I mean, what, trillions of dollars? Or is it trillions or definitely billions of dollars? Billions, not trillions. I mean, what is our what is our defense budget? Like $600 billion a year? So it hasn't definitely has not exceeded that. Okay. Um, I think... I think we're maybe I'm thinking of that recent bill that's been in yeah the bill itself was like 1.7 trillion dollars and I think it was 46 billion to okay. Ukraine I think um but yeah it's or, a lot of money but it's a lot of time, money not that much out of a trillion but yeah no yeah uh it's still a lot of money relative to our defense budget we've what put probably let's just lowball it and say 50 billion so almost 10 percent of the defense budget which, which is, I'm sure is a lot more than what they have for their their own. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, that's an, it's Russia's entire defense budget, I think, <laughs> actually. Let's see, Ukraine military. They have 2019. They had 5.92 billion dollars for their defense budget. Oh my gosh! So if we sent, you know, what is that? A, a, a thousand percent uh, yeah um so on the on the low end of what we're describing conservative ends so that's uh substantial that's unlimited to them um yeah. uh kind of trans trans uh transforming no uh transitioning into kind of our next topic you want to discuss something about smart accessories oh and i smart guess accessories would be like I've seen some rings come out that are smart. Oh, yeah, yeah, the aura um, ring is cool. Uh, so this is like predictions for science and technology. A little, I, I don't really have any big science predictions for the year. I think we kind of, I kind of covered a little bit of what happened because a lot of stuff in biology is always surprising. You never really know what's going to come out of the pipeline. Um, but generally, cause like I said last last episode, uh, the GLP one agonists for weight loss will be much more widely prescribed in 2023. But then for my tech advancement, this is kind of my bold, boldish take is that 
either the Apple Watch 9 will be released or announced, and it will have a continuous glucose monitor on it, which is something I've been really excited for and hoping for in the last Apple Watch iterations, but it hasn't happened. I guess the tech is a little bit complicated, but there's there's always rumors swirling around whether or not it's going to going to be available and that just sort of if once that becomes available in something as as popular as an apple watch uh, i think then you sort of start to get more of a culture of uh consumable like a healthware tech embrace which makes in general will make the population more health conscious more healthy um so i think that's something really exciting and i really hope it comes out in 2023 but i'm not uh You've been talking about that for a while. I have. I've been. I've been. Excited. I've been very excited for it for the last year and a half, and it hasn't happened. Um, so maybe the tech, maybe the tech is limiting, but uh, it's always. I mean, that would replace. Rumored. I mean, that. I guess if you got a, that Apple Watch that had that or a smart accessory, um, I guess you wouldn't have to wear your. You know, yeah, people would wear the continuous wear the, glucose monitors. Yeah, and, on their arm, or yeah, mm-hmm. on their arms, and then. Um, I guess you wouldn't have to prick your finger anymore. Yep. Um, which I guess those are either or. Um, yeah. Yeah, I wonder, I always wonder if it's the uh, tech that's limiting or if it's the uh, overly software. like cost. Not no, I don't think software. I never really think software is limiting. Like I kind of said in the, the well, what we did a couple weeks ago, like software advanced, advances really fast while the physical... Uh, world is quite a bit slower but there there also is like sort of a really big pushback and on some doctors have against continuous glucose monitors which i can kind of see the relevance to it and that their sort of pushback is continuous glucose monitor for non-diabetic patients are are useless i kind of disagree uh but but they do there's a bit of there's a grain of truth that like glucose spikes aren't necessarily bad and so they think that when people see their glucose spiking, people will freak out and get paranoid and think they're diabetic and, and, you know, over, uh, overly paranoid people. Yeah. Overly paranoid people coming to the doctors, filling up the doctor's office. So it's sort of the same fear that happened with the Apple watch EKGs several years ago. So I wonder if that is something that's holding it back or not. Um, cause I'm not quite sure, or even other continuous glucose monitor companies pushing back against it. <laughs> Um, but I mean, it's non-invasive, right? Because those continuous yeah, smile, yeah. you obviously got to, it's got to monitor it's your blood somehow. Stick you, yeah. But I don't think uh, they're pain, very painful at all. I've never tried it, but. Me neither. Um, I mean, I think smart accessories are just going to continue to soar. I mean, the popularity of the Apple Watch is off the charts. Yeah. Um, but. I mean, the other accessories, what did you say? Or is it Aura Ring? The Aura Ring is, I really want one. Actually, I was put, I got like a knockoff version a few, a couple of years ago. That was my Christmas present, and it was actually a scam. Uh, they told me oh. they would send it. They, they, so, I, my Christmas present, I got the box where I sized the ring, sent it in. Uh, we already paid for it. My mom paid for it, and it was like $150, $200. Um, and the company just went out of business. They kept telling me for weeks. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll send it to you in a couple of weeks. And I would ask them again. And then they just went out of business. So, yeah, I haven't gotten my aura ring instead. But I think they seem really cool. I don't know how necessarily super. Um, and so what, what do they monitor, really? Is they're it monitoring sleep. sleep. 
okay. primarily. So that you can get heart rate variability information, but I think primarily is what people want to see sleep. And I don't necessarily know how how they monitor sleep. I guess part of it is how you move. Is are you restless in your sleep? Uh, are you getting deep sleep? Is sort of what the interface looks like. It says, but but as these things uh, advance, I mean. I think more and more people will take an interest in them. I, the Apple Watch has has sleep monitoring abilities, but who wants to wear a watch to sleep? It's a well, lot easier my, to wear a ring. My main complaint about the Apple Watch is that the battery life is not very good, or at least the one that I have. Um, oh, really? So, like, I need to charge it. You need to charge it once a day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, well, the convenient time to charge it is at night. So, yep. Um, yep. That's kind of my main thing. I mean, I guess if it was a ring, like it wouldn't be that big a deal. Yeah. Like, on and off, but um, yeah. Yeah, I saw like, I mean, all these things, they, they just slowly add up. They still keep getting better and better. And eventually I, I kind of envision like a sort of like a health dashboard. You'll pull it up on your phone like, oh, oh, you're getting poor sleep. You need to change something. Oh, you drink, you drink alcohol before you sleep. That's probably effect, negatively affecting your sleep. Oh, your, I don't know, your heart rate variability has gone down. You might be stressed. You haven't um, exercised in three days. Yeah. Yeah. Your continuous, your, your blood glucose is running a bit higher than normal. That's probably not the you best. Should avoid, so, you should avoid sweets for, you know, some time. Yeah. So you, so you get all these sort of inputs and there's probably more inputs that coming out, coming out eventually that I don't even, not even super aware of that will be super interesting and the, your blood oxygen level right that's a yeah blood oxygen level i mean that's normally stays pretty steady unless something bad is happening to you <laughs> you're on mount everest yeah yeah you know that, that but that, that's also a useful thing uh, uh if you have like a sort of viral infection i'm pretty sure so i guess some people could see on their apple watch when they had like a severe bout of covid that their blood oxygen saturation was low uh well how so, long until we uh Oops, go to the doctor's office and they say, okay, give me your Apple Watch. I'm going to download your health data. I mean, that that, that seriously happens already. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, not in that extreme of a form, but I mean, my own doctor asked me to get the, buy the home EKG stuff and then he'll just analyze it for me whenever I go and visit. So that's definitely in the future. I mean, primary care is sort of uh, um, physicians, which have been, pretty disregarded in the not not necessarily looked down upon in the medical community but it's usually not the most popular uh field to go into just because it's sort of like you're not necessarily you know doing the cool life-saving stuff like the surgeons are you're not the cool guy but i think that's going to become one of the most popular fields of medicine because you're going to be like the main frontline person working on prevention of disease and you're going to be the one synthesizing all this information that your patients will have at least the really good ones will and i think that's really starting to already happen but i think it's going to be just keep picking up over the next year okay yeah i mean i mean i don't think a lot of people listen to their primary care doctor anyways um <laughs> and that, i guess comes down to like a respect thing but yeah i think that's a that's like a very cultural thing is I mean, we don't really care in general about our health until 
until something bad is and it's at that point a lot of times it's too late you're already on the down downhill climb but if you have data that shows oh you are going downhill right now i think you'll become a lot more health conscious i mean people who have heart failure or developing heart failure probably don't realize it until it's until the their ejection fraction has decreased or so much that it's causing them pain in their regular life to 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 walk up some stairs is is exhausting for them and so by by then it's like uh, yeah you can recover some we have some drugs uh, but it's kind of not looking good i think in the future you'll see especially diabetes the most the easiest cases is diabetes and the continuous glucose monitors you can see that this person might be pre-diabetic from their continuous readings and that's you get it you you get in and treat that right then you you do some lifestyle changes you do the glp1 agonist that i talked about last week uh and yeah i just think that's something that's going to be become a lot more of a conscious field over the next over the next decade it's going to be huge it's going to be maybe the biggest part of medicine within 15 20 years that's my that's my bold take on how medicine is going to change Um. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I lost what I was about to say. Um, <laughs> I don't. That might not be a twenty twenty three. That's a a decade. Prediction. Yeah, twenty 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 three is the continuous glucose monitor for the Apple Watch. It's going to happen this year. I've been waiting for forever. It's but it's going to happen finally. That's my hot take. Okay. Um, I kind of wanted to transition into car manufacturers. Um, and the sense that I think that they are going, I don't know if they're necessarily going to crash in 2023, at least the United States based. Um, but I think that they're definitely going to be on the decline. Um, and that is a lot due to the electric vehicle, the EV, uh, transition in the United States. Um, most United States based, um, car manufacturers are, going to be like 85, 90% producing just electric vehicles. Um, and I think it's Ford. I think they're going to have like two to three models that are going to be combustion engine still. Um, now some, they might have some models that might be um, hybrid, but a majority of their vehicles that they produce are going to be electric. And so this kind of transitions into like the electrical grid. I know that everyone says it's going to fail. Um, I think it's gonna, it's gonna be tough for everybody. Um, either we're going to be getting more electric vehicles or, and the grid's going to crash, or we're going to, these car companies are going to be on the decline significantly due to no one buying electric vehicles. Um, at least from them. I mean, I think the Ford lightning has kind of taken a huge turn already, which is the Ford's F-150 variant, uh, that's electric vehicle, but how much is that? Uh, I think it's about it's a little less than a Tesla, uh, for really? lightning, uh, cost. Um, let's see, that's a used one. Uh, starting out with the Pro Trim is fifty six thousand dollars. So I, I could buy one of those. Shoot. Um, but I've heard they're not all that great. I mean, they really? top end says a hundred k. So, um, which. The F-150 is a little bit more of the more affordable trucks yeah, uh, yeah. on the market. Um, but even the 
the Tesla Cybertruck, even though it hasn't been released yet. Um, they opened what at forty five, I think was I think so, yeah. Was their base model? So I mean, it's a com- fifty thousand is competitive, I'd say. Um, but it obviously won't have like self driving and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I just think that this transition's way too early, and I think they have had I, the the rumor that I've heard is that the is it the environmental EPA. Um, is that who monitors the protections agency? Yeah. Is that who monitors like emissions and stuff from vehicles? I don't know. Um, not in my scope. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think it's EPA. They, whoever monitors emissions in the United States, I think they have put more regulations on car manufacturers to get below a certain percentage um, across the board. And they're and a way to do that as well. Okay. We have all these models of cars. We're going to slim down the amount of models we have. We're going to start producing more electric. And then, well, now we don't have to put as much R&D into um, getting our motors to be more efficient. So our overall efficiency is higher, even though our combustion engine vehicles have stayed the same. I said, I think that's the rumor. I, or I say, that's the rumor I've heard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as far as like emissions and stuff. But I mean, I don't think we're ready as far as the United States as consumers and the United States as in the grid for electric grid is ready for as much electric vehicles as they want us to have. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at California. I mean, California is obviously a prime example of they have more electric vehicles than anyone in the United States. And they say, hey, stop charging your electric vehicles because the grid can't handle it right now. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're starting yeah, yeah. to shift between, uh, you can't drive to work today, you can't charge your electric vehicle. Like, yeah, our electric grid is not like robust to any sort of, I don't know how how much of a change it can sustain. Like how much uh, give is built into the system and the electric grid? Because I feel like it cannot possibly be that much. And if if Oklahoma during a cold bout, what like last year or two years ago, they were they were doing rolling blackouts. Imagine if everyone had to plug in their car at night. It would be ten times worse. Well, um, and your vehicle, electric vehicle, takes longer to charge in in the winter um, just due to cold. Um, hopefully if you have electric vehicle, you can put it in the garage, but in the cold, you get less charge. You, it takes longer to charge. Just electricity does not work as well in the cold. Um, and so like, maybe that's what we need to get on as an og employee and talk to them about the electric grid, um, no. for here, the, in Oklahoma, uh, and I think they're in Arkansas as well, but the. You can get X, X, uh, og employee, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, the, uh. I, I do applaud og for going more green and the fact that, I mean, you drive around Oklahoma City and you see fields of um, solar panels that are owned by og for the grid, but obviously you can't have solar panels working at night. Um, and so the constant battle for energy companies in general is going to be, okay, I have solar panels. When do I need to start up my, you know, coal um, coal power plant and uh, get that going. And because, like I said, electricity on solar panels only works during the day. Um, and so you're constantly trying to battle with, okay, the grid needs this much electricity as far as each house's, you know, electric vehicles, whatever. Um, how much do I need to produce to, because you don't want to, if you overproduce, you're losing money. It's so, like you have this constant, like, 
we want to be at 100% capacity and um, or we're producing 100% and the grid really only needs 95% or 98%. So mm -hmm. um, that's the constant couple, the two couple battles that they're facing right now. Um, but I don't know. What do you, what are your take on the car manufacturers? You might I, not have a ton. Yeah. I don't really have a take cause I don't know much about it. Um, I can, I guess I can agree with your point. It does always seem like uh, a lot of the climate stuff is, always coming from a sort of like degrowth perspective where which i think is really negative <laughs> i think the only way you affect or positively impact climate change is to innovate and forcing things on people and countries are is just not gonna not gonna be effective and it's gonna stall stall out the growth in the country so yeah that's my sort of general take but i don't really have much much of an idea okay um yeah as i, I kind of just spieled about kind of my thoughts um i have on our notes here for to talk about twitter and elon musk well that's relevant uh, for uh, electric cars electric, yeah <laughs> we can start let's start with elon and then we'll transition into twitter after um let's do you see. have any predictions for elon well oh. i mean it's been like a really awful last month for elon obviously for like yeah, he's no longer the richest person in the world. <laughs> yeah, um, I will say nice. my prediction is the Cybertruck will start being delivered in 2023. I hope so. I mean, it's been what? Like, uh... I've had my down. They've had my down payment for quite a while. So. <laughs> Are you going to buy one? Are you even waiting to buy one this whole time? <laughs> mm, I don't know about waiting. It's not the right term. <laughs> um, uh, we'll see where I am financially at uh, the time mine is scheduled to be released. So yeah. But I don't think I, I don't think I'd get mine until 2024, 2025. Yeah. Um, which I mean, I bought. Let's see, when did I get my? When did I put my down payment? I think it was 2018. Is when Probably. I. Holy, that's crazy. I think is when I put my my down payment. I mean, it wasn't yeah. much, so. Um, it was a hundred dollars. That was just yeah, free flow, free flow for the company to reinvest. To R and D. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, they're, they're very good. Elon is very good at his. Uh, marketing can he can raise money better than anyone uh well if everyone in the united states gave him a hundred dollars like you know that's a lot of money that's a lot that's of money lot. to play with uh obviously he didn't get that much but yeah um anyways you were saying about elon with it hasn't been a good month for him yeah tesla's down almost 40 percent. tesla stock is down almost 40 percent, and obviously elon major oh, largest shareholder of tesla i'm pretty sure and so he's taking a big hit and a lot of people think it's because of the uh, Twitter acquisition, and he's having to sell his sell his uh, shares because of margin calls from the loan agencies that he used for the Twitter acquisition. So that's causing the price to just to just continually crumble. Um, so yeah, it's not looking great for him right now. But my my prediction is, I mean, the truth is a lot of people want to say it's, oh, because Elon's an idiot and, and uh, whatnot. He shouldn't have Anything to tear down another person, yeah. Well, I mean, I, Elon does stupid stuff, but he's done a lot of good stuff. But, I mean, the truth of the matter is Tesla was, like, massively overpriced. It was, like, it was uh, worth more than all of the car companies put together and by, like, two, two X, I think, <laughs> at, one, at its peak. It just is completely ludicrous. <laughs> so it was bound to fall. And of course, now it's just finally starting to completely unwind. And so, you know, 
people always want to correlate it with the Twitter acquisition. And I think there's some slight correlation, but I think the majority is 40% because, worth. Yeah. I think the majority is because it was overpriced and people are finally realizing it. So we're getting out while they still can. Um, yeah, I don't think he's done for the year or I don't think I obviously he's done for 2022, but, um, for 2023, I think he pulls something pretty big. Um, I heard somebody, a podcast, I think it might have been Andrew Tate was on a podcast that I was watching. Um, and I think he talked about, no, maybe somebody else. Anyways, they said Joe Rogan and Elon Musk should partner up. And Elon should sign Joe Rogan and they should start their own content creation um, uh, platform. And I, they said it could be on Twitter or it could be uh, just their own own new app, I guess, or own platform. But it could yeah. be on Twitter. I mean, I don't know if I don't know if I necessarily see Twitter as like a content. I guess that's probably the next step. I, that's what they a lot of people want it to be. I don't necessarily see it either. I don't know how it would really work. I know they tried before Elon with the newsletter thing. They tried to like make their own version of Substack and didn't really pan out so well. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see. I, I definitely, I definitely think uh, people have uh, uh, spoken too early on saying Twitter's going to die because of the Elon acquisition. I think actually it's looking pretty, pretty impressive to me right now. If you muted, if you muted the words Elon and Twitter over the last three months, you wouldn't notice anything different except they've rolled out new things like the view counts. They rolled out the paid subscription and you didn't like it or not but they actually did things how often was twitter rolling out new services over the last 10 10 years it's been kind of the same they changed the like button at one point from a thumbs to a heart that was about it um they added spaces that's probably the biggest thing yeah spaces spaces was cool it's still not that popular um, um they added trending but that's really that was kind of already a thing anyways yeah yeah uh, i just think they've moved so much faster in the last two months besides cutting what 60 percent of the employee base uh it was 80 percent 80 percent holy i crap. think i think i heard 80 percent. i could be wrong but um yeah so yeah i think i think twitter's gonna be pretty successful if they can weather the current storm and get advertisers back which advertisers will come back because the, i mean what the, the, i'm assuming the advertising market is is priced similar to facebook where if no one's advertising, then the cost per ad is really low. So why not <laughs> why not buy some ads if it's if it's a really well, cheap and price? I, if the eyes are there, it doesn't it doesn't really matter what their stance is, to be honest. Yeah. If, if the eyes are there, the market determines that okay, this is high value. Yeah, yeah. You know how many companies said that they were they pulled their ads off of Twitter and then one week later they were right back in front of my screen. They just did it for clout. Yes, <laughs> this is complete. Because saying they pulled their ads is free clout or free free advertising. Yeah, free advertising many, for them. How many news outlets are going to cover that? Ah, I should have oh. announced that we pulled our ads off Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe K KOCO is going to reach out to us and oh, I can't believe you did that. You're, you're so brave. So brave. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's just free advertisement. They they know what they're doing. Um. I being conservative and maybe this is the algorithm being uh, leaning towards the right. Um, 
I don't see as much screaming from the left, I guess, on Twitter as much. And maybe that's, I don't know. I mean, I think that I I actually have felt like this a lot less political tension on Twitter over the last year. I don't know. Maybe it's because Trump was banned. Pre-Elon, maybe. I don't know. I think it's just tensions have sort of calmed down quite a bit. And it does seem like the whole, like, cancel culture stuff that was so prevalent a couple of years ago has really slowed down because we realized how oh, everyone kind of sucks so yeah <laughs> uh i don't know it, 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 to me it's felt a lot calmer on the app over the last year that was pre pre elon and i never yeah. i haven't necessarily known i i i'm fully convinced if i didn't see any if i didn't see the word elon and i muted it and i muted the word twitter i would not know anything changed Besides, I saw one day, oh, I can pay for subscription. I don't think I'll do that. Oh, I see that I see some view counts, which I actually think is kind of awesome. I know a lot of people hate it, but I like that a lot. It's something to get used to because I keep accidentally clicking the retweet button instead of the like button. Yeah, Um, yeah. But the thing is, it's a smart smart method to keep people on the platform because it shows your distribution. No other other social media company besides TikTok is showing – the distribution that you have and well, they actually are the opposite because like mean? if you look at a lot of facebook and most of instagram yeah, now yeah. the likes are all hidden are you hidden. can't see the amount of likes so yeah, it's actually and, the opposite which which i mean there's good parts and bad parts about that i like well that's good especially good for teenagers i think uh teenage girls especially i think um but but twitter is not as a what, what, what like a pretentious I don't know what what how you would say dopamine so less about appearance and like showing off than than everywhere else so it's all about reach and now you can see how much reach you have and you realize oh I'm not if I'm a company I'm not going to get that kind of reach that kind of native organic reach anywhere else necessarily so I think that was a smart tactic well you've always been able to see it you just it hasn't been public yeah it's the public and now you can see oh shoot this person got a million views on this tweet that's kind of awesome and so then it's just really in your in the public conscious now so it's it's a clever move and i think it's getting way too much hate is that the new uh ratio so for those that don't know ratio (laughs) is where uh a tweet will get more comments than likes and retweets or maybe it's just likes but the new, the new ratio could be you get a million views and zero and likes, likes. <laughs> yeah. um probably that's probably the new ratio that's yeah. my prediction for twitter 2023 um <laughs> but yeah like i said it's it's opposite i think it makes people more honest um makes you feel a little bit smaller i'll be i'll say that me thinking i got a thousand views and never checking and now i only get 150 views and i swear my reach has been down over the last two years on twitter and i have no idea why i just have what 700 followers and all my tweets get 100 views seems a little crazy but oh well yeah Hmm. um any last minute predictions for twitter and elon for Twitter and Elon, uh, no, I think that I think it's a successful year for them for Twitter. I don't think Elon has like an outwardly successful net worth year. Like I don't think Tesla's going to recover much. 
hopefully SpaceX does something cool this year. I, I don't, they're kind of quiet over the last six or seven months. So I love, I love all the stuff that SpaceX does, even though I'm not a super close follower. So, but I hope that they have something cool. I, I, I remember like one of the coolest things about 2020 was, was the launch they did where they, um, they were the first company to send, send us, uh, astronauts back to space and i don't even know when the last time we went to uh humans went to space it's been a few years i think since since the someone went no people are always going to the space shuttle but anyways first company to do it so that was really cool and it was i remember watching with the family and watching at my grandma's house and i was like felt like a very proud american moment that we don't really get very often anymore so hopefully something uh... like that happens he probably is going to start selling tickets here in a little bit. Actually, he might have already started selling tickets uh, to go to space. Space vacation. Oh, really? <laughs> space vacation? Uh, I don't think they go anywhere. They might just go into space and come back. But Oh, yeah. Um, there was like the whole cool space race, like 2020 to through the early 2021, where that happened. The Jeff Bezos company took um, the Star Trek actor to space. And then the... Uh, Virgin Airlines company, whatever they're Virgin Galactic, I think, also went to space. It was just like a cool year. Like, why aren't we doing cool stuff like that anymore? I think those like inspire young people. And so I really hope something like that happens in 2023. Uh, my prediction also is that the Boston Celtics will win an NBA championship. So um, I know that's completely off topic, but I figured <laughs> I should give out a prediction just in case. Um, I, predict, uh, I predict on that on that note, I predict that uh, Victor Wimbenyaya Wimbenyaya mm-hmm. goes to the Spurs, and I predict he will be the greatest p- basketball player of all time if he doesn't get hurt. Yeah, I think injury is a big big deal for yeah. that. <laughs> um, maybe Zion will do something next year, but maybe. I mean, he just uh, had that forty-seven point game last night, two nights ago. You think Victor will be better than Luka Doncic? You just don't like the Mavs. (laughs) No, I I like the Mavs. I just like to give all of our Dallas friends a hard time. It's a lot of fun. I'm actually really glad that Shea is playing up to par with the the Luka and Trey Young of the class. And so now it's actually fun to say that Shea is better than Luka before it wasn't as as fun. It wasn't as troll, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or it was more of a troll then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, any other last minute hot takes before we sign off? Nope. What about you? Mm, no, I mean, I already said my piece about I think Cybertruck is going to start getting delivered here in 2023. Um, I think Elon's not done. He's going to do something big uh, content wise. I think, like I said, I think a, I wouldn't be surprised if he released some, if he like actually did sign Joe Rogan because Joe Rogan's probably going to end up leaving Spotify. Yeah. Um, or they're going to kick him off or something. Um, like one of those things is going to happen. They're either mm-hmm. Spotify is not going to, I don't know when his deal's up, but um, I think that's very real possibility. I don't know if they're yeah, necessarily going to partner, but some small platform is going to sign with Joe Rogan or he's going to start his own yeah. platform. Because I mean, what, he's the most listened to podcast. He's got how many, how many viewers does he get or listeners? Oh, I have no idea. An insane amount. And it's crazy because I haven't listened to him since he went to Spotify. So <laughs> Uh, let's see. His 12.8 subscribers, 2.2 billion views. Holy crap! Um, 
that's Wikipedia though. Um, sorry. He has more reach than basically every politician could ever dream of. Attracts 11 million viewers per episode with Rogan posting four to five episodes a week. Golly, he's posting that much still? I... Uh, that was... Oh, that was a year ago. So, that was when that was released. Yeah. I don't know if Spotify I would, has... I would love for that, for that sort of team up to happen at Twitter... Twitter launched some sort of content business. I don't know idea what it would look like, but uh, I think I think Twitter is very well positioned for growth relative to the other social media companies. Maybe they'll bring Vine back. It'll be the US. Well, he's joked about that before, and he definitely follows through on a lot of his jokes. So uh, that is um, true. The Babylonian Bee is a big one. He he, he always jokes. He, what was that? <laughs> he bought he bought Twitter to bring Babylon Bee back. Yeah. Uh, he always he joked about that for a while. Um, yeah, it's yeah. Maybe Spotify will take a huge dip because Rogan is going to leave. So we'll see. I didn't. I need more that. JRE clips on YouTube. So yeah, I don't think well, he's allowed I, to post. I anything. realized I forgot my my biggest take, oh, okay. which is probably the biggest gimme of the whole year. And I think this is basically what everyone's saying is that. 2023 the ai thing stuff that's going to come out is just going to be absolutely mind-blowing like gpt4 is going to be i sort of i already said it in the first episode but just to rehash it's going to be insane and we're going to be world pretty pretty world changing and who knows what deep mind has up their sleeve for 2023 i think I think they also have a large language model that's probably just as good or better. And they probably released something else. I mean, it's been a couple of years since they released AlphaFold, which I think is the best AI advance in ever. Uh, so something else is going to come out from them soon. Just knowing how good of a company and how the how well that team is ran over there. Hmm. Um, yeah. What was it several years ago? I don't, I see, the thing is, it's like, I don't know how much news about AI is real. And it, this was several years ago where they, they the rumor I heard was they put two uh, AIs like on a stage or something and they had to shut them down because the AIs were talking. They created their own language and were talking to each other. I've never heard that. I, I've heard that before. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, that's crazy. I was like, that's probably not true. And I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I like no, saying, that's probably right now, right now there's three AI companies and it's I mean really there's two. There's OpenAI and there's DeepMind. OpenAI owned by sort of owned by Microsoft. I think they have a majority share or some majority stake in it and DeepMind owned by Google. But then I also think Facebook or Meta has a really uh big AI company that I didn't even really know about until recently and they did some crazy stuff where uh they did like this uh uh Meta Earth, I guess they had a database of 600 million proteins. The alpha fold did not show how how they were folded or the protein structure, and they predicted those with their own algorithm. Just because 600 million is a lot of compute, so they had developed an algorithm that was a little bit less uh, intensive and uh, but a little bit less accurate than alpha fold. But still, like that's pretty that's pretty advanced stuff and. The fact they also had the thing that could, I cannot remember what the game was, but uh, that could beat world class players. I talked about it in the first first podcast. 
well, yeah, so those those companies will be the game changers of the next few years, especially the next year. Knowing Microsoft, they're going to fail, so they're going to be. I don't know. Microsoft that. Microsoft is very well run by uh, what's his name, Nadella Satya Nadella. They've been very successful since he's taken over. Did he take over during Mixer? <laughs> you know oh, what Mixer? You remember Mixer? No, I don't really remember Mixer, but Mixer was a streaming platform, and they paid like. Sixty million dollars to get Ninja and Shroud. I, they, he probably was the CEO then. And then they are like, then they canceled the platform like four yeah. months into their, their contract. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Anyways, um, if that's it, then this has been simply technical. Keaton, Evan, uh, make sure to like, subscribe, share with a friend. You made it this far comment frogs in the chat so um <laughs> but uh we'll catch you guys later see ya